This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. The Surrey family is recovering after a traumatic ordeal last week. Someone pushed their way into their home and pepper sprayed them. Now, as Romina Dea reports, Surrey RCMP are on the hunt for the suspect in an apparent case of mistaken identity. The attack lasted just seconds. Open up your eyes. It's okay. It's okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. It's okay. Yeah, take a nice deep breath. Okay. I got you. I got you. It's okay. It's okay. Squeeze my hand if you want. The Hanash family still recovering. Eight-year-old Yusuf and his ten-year-old brother Muhammad caught in the aftermath after their father was pepper sprayed in their home. My eyes start hurting bad. It felt like fire was on my face. It was very hard to breathe. It felt like my face were like on fire and it hurt it so bad. Nordin Hanash says the doorbell rang around 8 p.m. December 19th. He looked through the peephole, but no one was there. That's when he opened the door. A man pushed the door and surprised people. Surprised people in my face. I don't see anything. After firing the chemical compound, the suspect enters the home, Hanash scrambling to get his family out. Moments later, the suspect takes off after Hanash's wife starts screaming from the kitchen. So no problems with anybody? No. Nobody has threatened you? No, no, nothing. For years, no, any problem. Hanash says he's innocent. The immigrants from Syria have lived in Surrey for four years. No problems with police, they say. A neighbor tells Global News investigators believe her son may have been the intended target. Surrey RCMP are investigating. No one was available for comment. Open up your eyes. It's okay. The Hanashes frightened. The suspect has not been caught. The stained front hallway and burn of pepper spray still in the air, a constant reminder of the terror they encountered. What are you scared about? If he comes back again. If he comes back and, and pepper spray us again. Romina Dea, Global News. Police are investigating two Christmas Eve homicides, including a suspicious death in Langley. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team says a 67-year-old man was found dead at a home in the 2900 block of 224th Street on Tuesday. RCMP have identified the victim as Dennis Johnson. They're asking anyone with information about his activities before his death to call IHIT or Crime Stoppers. And in Duncan, police returned today to the scene of a Christmas Eve murder, scouring bushes for any evidence. Late Christmas Eve night, police say a man and a woman were found injured following reports of an assault in the area of Trunk Road and Canada Avenue. The man later died. Police believe this is an isolated incident and there is no risk to the public. The Independent Investigations Office is looking into a Christmas Day incident in Victoria that left a woman hospitalized with life-threatening injuries. 
At around six o'clock last night, police were called to a multi-unit residential building on Pandora Avenue for reports of an armed person causing a disturbance. The department says a woman barricaded herself inside the suite when officers arrived. Smoke was then seen coming from the suite in question as ERT members arrived on scene. Fire officials gained entry to the building and the woman was taken into custody in life-threatening condition. Investigations by the Victoria Police Department and the IIO are now underway. A warning about this next story. It includes graphic and disturbing video. In the South Okanagan, an Osoyoos man is recovering after he was the victim of an unprovoked attack at a local pub earlier this month. The pub's owner says in 20 years of operating the bar, it's the worst assault he's ever witnessed. Now, as Shelby Tom reports, police are asking for the public's help to track down one of the alleged assailants. Kyle Borden stumbles into the Sage Pump in Asuyus, shirtless, covered in blood, barely coherent. The Asuyus man, the victim of a brutal assault and robbery a block away near Ponderosa Drive and Cottonwood Drive on December 14th, just before midnight. Blood covering everything. It looked like he was wearing a mask, to be honest with you, when he walked through the front door. Pump staff jumping into action, putting pressure on the open wounds until paramedics arrived. He had massive lacerations in his head. There was a very huge wound opened up on this part of his his skull and another one here. Earlier that night, the 31-year-old attended the pub after his work Christmas party denied service because he was visibly intoxicated. A family member says Borden was vulnerable, alone, and targeted by two other men who were also at the pub. They allegedly followed him down the street before brutally assaulting him, punching, kicking, and stomping on his head. Police say he was also smashed with a wine bottle. With blood covering his eyes, he somehow made it back to the establishment seeking help. In all honesty, had he ended up somewhere other than our front doors, who's to say what would have happened? RCMP releasing a statement saying it was an isolated incident between the parties and there's no threat to the public. Investigators identifying a 22-year-old Peachland man as one of two suspects, releasing this surveillance image of the second alleged assailant, described as 6'1 in his early to mid-20s with medium-length light brown hair, a possible goatee with a slim build. He wears glasses and was wearing a red hoodie with the word obey in white across the front as well as dark pants and rubber boots. What happened was, you know, from what I can tell, unprovoked and certainly undeserved and anything anybody can do to provide some assistance to the RCMP and and bringing these guys to justice. Let's do it and let's get these guys behind bars where they belong. Witnesses or anyone who recognizes the second suspect in that surveillance image are asked to contact a CU's RCMP or Crime Stompers. Shelby Tom, Global News, a CU's. A 70-year-old man is recovering in hospital after being struck by a vehicle in Oak Bay. It happened at around 6.30 this morning at Oak Bay Avenue near Hampshire Road. The man is being treated for a broken leg and a concussion. This is the second pedestrian to be hit by a car in this area this week. Police are reminding drivers to slow down and pedestrians to be careful. I sit here every day and, and motorists forget that, it, that it's a village and they just speed right through. Oftentimes they, they speed right through and we, you know, we've had the police sit here but uh, it, it doesn't work. They're in a hurry to get someplace and I don't know why they're in a hurry. My kids grow up here and every day we see people almost getting hit and near misses and especially with seniors and kids. We've asked the municipality, we've lobbied, we've, you know, they come out every summer and have their, you know, look at Oak Bay and nobody listens.
A 58-year-old Maple Ridge man has d since died after he was hit by a flatbed truck near the intersection of 223rd and Lougheed Highway last Saturday night. The truck driver remained at the scene and cooperated with police. Impairment and speeding are not considered factors in the crash. RCMP are also reminding drivers and pedestrians to pay extra attention on the roads given the dark and often wet weather right now. A major fire at a salvage, a Surrey auto salvage business today. Fire crews were called to the 13100 block of 116th Avenue in Bridgeview at around 2 o'clock. Auto parts inside a 1,000-square-foot metal-clad building caught fire. Crews managed to get it under control about a half an hour later. There was no one at the business at the time and no injuries reported. No word yet on a cause. A CN train derailed in eastern B.C. today, sending at least one rail car into a lake. It happened at around 5 o'clock this morning near Moose Lake. That's about 30 kilometers east of Mount Robson near Jasper National Park. 26 rail cars derailed, one or two partially submerged in the lake. A CN team is currently assessing any impacts to the environment. A global viewer spotted some of the work being done by CN workers. They really were focused on keeping the, the highway traffic safe because it's you, know, you really can't not see this and it's really eye-catching so you just want to stop and ogle it and they were really focused on making sure that everybody was safe. CN confirms it was a potash unit train and that there were no injuries or fires. There were also no dangerous goods on board. The tracks are closed in both directions. It's not known yet what caused the derailment. Well, we didn't see a white Christmas in Metro Vancouver this year, but there is a chance we could see some snow tonight. A special weather statement is now in effect forecasting snow in some areas. And as Sarah McDonald reports, along with it, the avalanche risk on the mountains remains high. It's the most active time of the year for winter sports enthusiasts. Local mountains packed with people and layers of fresh snow. The last few days have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, we've got a 65 centimeter snow base, over 120 centimeters at the top. The snow came just in time for the holidays. As is the case every ski season, all that precipitation brings an increased risk with it. Not within the confines of controlled runs like these but in the backcountry of mountains right across the region. The uncontrolled backcountry, however, is very different. It isn't controlled, and it is subject to avalanche danger. And obviously, with all the snow we've had over the last week, we've seen some pretty high ratings in the uncontrolled backcountry. A special weather statement for snow issued Thursday. A timely reminder to be prepared for a messy commute at lower elevations and for potentially life-threatening hazards at higher ones, with an avalanche warning issued for the Sea to Sky region remaining in effect until Saturday. There's some persistent weak layers in the snowpack, and it's really going to vary um, from area to area. So our message is just to be very cognizant of the snow conditions um, in your area. Just like these skiers spending Boxing Day on the trails of the North Shore and taking all the proper precautions. We have all of our beacon probe shovel gear with us. Parks Canada advising skiers to control the urge to make fresh tracks on fresh fallen powder and to stick to lower angled slopes on uncontrolled runs. You don't have to go skiing if the conditions don't create a safe environment to do so. With the risk of human triggered slides still dangerously high. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Are the days of the legendary Boxing Day door crasher sales over? 
It was a slower start today to the post-Christmas shopping in the Lower Mainland, with shoppers heading out later in the day to snag whatever deals they could find. Nadia Stewart has more on what may be behind this changing consumer trend. Boxing Day morning on Robson Street was a quiet one this year. Very few early morning shoppers lining up to snag a deal. There was the usual rush on electronics at this downtown Best Buy, though not as big a crowd waiting in line as in years past. One of the many signs shopping habits are shifting. Customers are getting up a little later, but our store is busy all the way through, all the way till the end. Shoppers began rolling out later in the morning. In North Vancouver, hundreds lined up to get their hands on Arcteryx gear, their only option since outlet deals are not available online. And then there were the traffic jams at the region's biggest shopping centers. From Tawasson Mills, We've got more people than I've ever seen. The gates are being closed. They're only allowing certain people in, um, like, I guess, numbers in each of the stores. To MacArthur Glen, where there were no shortage of lineups. We grabbed some backpacks and went in there and the coach, and it's insane. You can barely move. Shoppers in search of deep discounts, snagging a deal on a gift for family or for themselves. For people who like to save money, it's worth it if you have something that you um, really want to get but you're not rich then I think it's really good to line up once in a while. Boxing Day is still the number one day for retailers in Canada. Black Friday is creeping up there but Boxing Day is, is by far our number one shopping day. But analysts say Boxing Day, once a high point for Canadian shoppers, continues to face stiff competition from Black Friday. The American Shopping Day has migrated north and experts say research confirms the two days are now in a dead heat. Boxing Day has still been the dominant day, but this year we're predicting for the first time that the number of Canadians shopping on a Black Friday is really going to be on par with Boxing Day this year. We'll have to wait for a final tally to find out just how much British Columbians spent this time around for a glimpse of what that could mean for next year. Nadia Stork, Global News. And it appears the heavy traffic at Tawasson Mills is impacting ferry traffic. Staff on board a BC ferry made, it a, made a public announcement that transit would be getting late to the neighboring ferry terminal because of the major backlog caused by the mall traffic backed up past Highway 17. The announcement even mentioned some ferry crew members might be late because of the mall traffic. How busy was it? Uh, it was pretty busy. There's like all it's the packed. <laughs> yeah. The lines are really long. It didn't appear to be any better at Guilford Mall in Surrey. Drivers were lined up to try to get into the parking lot, creating traffic delays, and there were lineups outside of the stores. E-commerce giant Amazon announced it had a record-breaking holiday season. It says it sold billions of products with the number of prime, free one-day and same-day delivery nearly quadrupled. Toys, games, fashion, beauty and home appliances like the Instant Pot were popular items. The biggest story of 2019 began with the report that two people had been found dead by the side of a northern B.C. highway. As Sarah McDonald tells us, it quickly exploded into a nationwide manhunt for two suspects in three deaths and a story that riveted attention around the globe. The cold-blooded killings that made international headlines and sparked a nationwide manhunt all started with gunfire and then silence. No witnesses to the murders of two young tourists exploring the sprawling, expansive and isolated northern stretch of our province in July. Their van later discovered with its back window blown out by bullets. 
yeah, makes you wonder who you're going to go get or what's next. Or But try not to think about it too much. The bodies of its occupants found nearby on the side of a desolate and disconnected portion of highway, soon flooded by investigators and international media. About 20 kilometers south of Liard Hot Springs. So you have to tell the story. If we don't go and tell the story, then who will? If we don't go and, 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 you know, and talk to the families, talk to the people in the community who are affected by this, then who will? The spectacle of the tragedy compounded by the connections of the victims. A double homicide in northern B.C. is attracting worldwide attention. American national China Deese and Australian Lucas Fowler, the son of a high-ranking law enforcement official in Sydney. It's a love story that's ended tragically. It really is. It's the worst ever love story. With whoever killed two innocent victims in cold blood and seemingly at random still at large, the stakes were already high. Three dead bodies in one week. Police do not know if they're dealing with a serial killer. And about to hit a boiling point. Another body and a burning vehicle discovered hundreds of kilometers away days later. Investigators now saddled with three murders. A body, a burned out vehicle and two missing teens. And two missing men. Childhood friends from Vancouver Island initially feared to be among the victims. It's unusual to have two major investigations undergoing of this nature in northern BC at the same time. Nobody, investigators included, could have predicted what happened next. The RCMP are now considering Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski as suspects in the Dees Lake suspicious death and the double homicide of Lucas Fowler and China Deese. Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod would join the ranks of the country's youngest and most notorious killers. Suddenly the prime suspects in three random murders. A confirmed sighting in Saskatchewan igniting a frantic cross-country manhunt that captivated Canadians from coast to coast. While we came up and said, we're missing, help us find them. They're missing, help us find them. We had firm belief that that was what was happening. And it wasn't until later on Monday night when uh, we got information from Meadowhouse Lake, that these boys now had been seen at a gas station there, at a, at a co-op, that it, I, honestly, I was blindsided. I felt like a rock, like I'd been hit by a rock, a Mack truck. The intrigue and that shock only further deepening on the West Coast, in the Vancouver Island community where the pair spent almost the entirety of their young lives. Whether you know these boys or not, um, Everybody is connected somehow. Which we would soon learn had a dark underbelly. Photos of Schmigelski in Nazi regalia servicing alongside disturbing recollections from former classmates. He would say things about how he would like cut our heads off and then he would take a gun and put it in his mouth and shoot himself in front of us. As Schmigelski's father granted sensational interviews with his son still at large. I'm so sad that he fell that he had to take this road trip. Meanwhile, the country's now most wanted teenage murder suspects were weaving their way east across Western Canada, dodging law enforcement in three provinces until finally. I'm standing on the exact spot where the two fugitives abandoned their vehicle and then apparently set it on fire. A tangible lead in rural Manitoba. Another burning vehicle confirmed to belong to that third murder victim later publicly identified as Vancouver botanist Leonard Dick. It's in the back of my mind, thinking about it every day, where they could be, who knows. 
Canadians would continue holding their collective breath for nearly two weeks as the tiny community of Gillam, Manitoba suddenly found itself thrust into the global spotlight. Investigators uncovering items tied to the suspects and their victims, including this mangled aluminum boat that ultimately would lead investigators to the killers. We believe these are the bodies of the two suspects. Stranded and cornered in unsurvivable elements, the pair would never be captured alive. McLeod shooting and killing Schmigelski before turning the gun on himself. Ballistics ultimately linking all five of the deceased. If there was in fact a motive, um, it's gone with, uh, with the accused. Taking the answers the world wants to know with them to their graves. Sarah McDonald, Global News. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. People living in a Brampton, Ontario neighborhood are shaken after a shocking homicide took place there. A man killed after allegedly being targeted by a driver, and it was captured on numerous security cameras. Camille Carmali has the details and a warning. Some of the images are disturbing. Shocking surveillance video on Christmas night showing what appears to be a light-colored van on Sunny Meadow Boulevard in Brampton. The driver appearing to intentionally run over a 51-year-old man. It's awful, man. Um, Christmas is a time of family. Minutes before, at around 10.30 from a different home security camera, the vehicle can be seen dropping off the man outside a home. It starts to leave before reversing. The driver and passenger then exchange words. The driver then backs up, turns the vehicle's wheels towards the man, and accelerates, running over his torso and head before reversing again and driving off. It, it hurts. You know, it, it makes you feel very uncomfortable. It makes you feel somewhat unsafe. The incident took place outside Kieran Sandu's home. She doesn't know the victim. She and her son ran outside to find the man lying at the end of their driveway. It was um, clear that his right leg was broken and uh, he was uh, alive that time, but uh, his uh, nose was bleeding. You can see them standing over the victim here, waiting for paramedics. He was uh, totally unconscious that time. Police say the man was taken to hospital where he died. Police said they were able to track down the suspect vehicle the very next morning and now have someone in custody for questioning. A 53-year-old man from Brampton was taken into custody for second-degree murder. Police would not say if the suspect vehicle in this video was a taxi. I'm not able to speak to the type of vehicle uh, that it was. But the van appears to have a bright light on its roof. Residents still shaken, a Christmas now marred by death and violence. This was to be a family area uh, where we have children. This was our whole focus when we moved here, to raise a family and not to be exposed to this kind of um, violence. Kamel Karamali, Global News. 
At least 20 people are dead after a powerful typhoon hammered the Philippines. It's causing widespread flooding in low-lying villages, resulting in mass evacuations. Many have been stranded at airports and bus stations. Power was knocked out across the eastern provinces with thousands of trees knocked down. The storm is now moving into the South China Sea, packing winds of up to 150 kilometers an hour. Vigils are being held around the world, marking the 15th anniversary of a devastating Indian Ocean tsunami that killed more than 230,000 people. The 2004 tsunami was formed after a massive earthquake off northern Sumatra. More than 700,000 people lost their homes after being hit by massive waves, some more than 17 meters high. People are paying tribute to victims with flowers, prayers and sand sculptures. The tsunami is said to be one of the worst natural disasters in recorded history. There are growing fears more people are buried in snow after an avalanche hit a ski resort in the Swiss Alps. The avalanche happened just after 11 o'clock this morning. It struck a slope at a ski arena or area rather in Andermatt near Zurich. Two injured people were medevaced to hospital, but there may be skiers buried under the heavy snow. The snow in that area in recent days has raised the avalanche danger, but the resort says an internal slope safety process declared the slope safe. The resort will remain closed until at least tomorrow. People all across Asia looked up today to watch the final solar eclipse of the decade. The so-called ring of fire eclipse could be seen along a path stretching from India and Pakistan to Thailand and Indonesia. People in Thailand flocked to schools and observatories. Smart viewers, like those ones seen here in Indonesia, wore protective glasses to observe the natural phenomenon. It's called the ring of fire because a thin outer ring of the sun is still visible when it's behind the moon. Well, they are the beautiful tradition, but they are a beautiful tradition, but an Ontario woman says she's lucky to be alive after having a severe allergic reaction to a poinsettia plant just days before Christmas. Michelle Blacklock was rushed to hospital over the weekend after handling a number of the plants. Doctors were able to link the reaction to latex, which can be found in poinsettias. Blacklock posted her ordeal to social media as a warning to others with latex allergies to be careful around the traditional Christmas plant. I just want people to have the information and I'm, you know, thank God that I'm safe and I'm here to be with my family and I want other people to make sure they're safe too. Up garnering more than 2,000 comments and nearly 9,000 shares. A brain scan at the age of seven could help identify children at risk for ADHD and depression. The study by Vanderbilt University included 94 children whose brains were scanned using functional MRI, then followed for four years. Scientists were able to predict the risk of ADHD and anxiety by measuring connectivity between specific regions of the brain. It was an exciting Christmas Eve for staff at a Michigan zoo where this little guy was born. Find out why his birth is such a big deal. We'll have that right after the forecast with Yvonne. Yvonne, I know a lot of kids who are off school right now are hoping for a big deal from your forecast. <laughs> and there may be some snow, but you're going to have to go to higher elevations. It'll be great news for the local mountains, and I'll have more on that in just a moment. We've had valley cloud in the interior, and some beautiful shots have been taken. It's higher up that you've got the sunshine right now. We're 
today, rather, this is a beautiful shot that was taken from Brent in Silver Star and another fantastic one in Sun Peak. So thank you so much, Lenny. You can see the valley fog and valley cloud there. Here's a shot of what we're tracking this evening. We are looking at rain moving in. It'll be heavy at times and continuing for the morning hours. We're sitting at five with an easterly wind at 19 kilometers per hour and temperatures will dip down close to or hovering the freezing mark for many areas. The moisture that is moving in, it'll be cold enough for higher elevations and inland across the island that we will be seeing that potential for snow two and up to four centimeters metro vancouver the fraser valley but it'll be higher elevations and eastern areas of the fraser valleys where we could see up to five through the day tomorrow though it does taper off we are looking at a chance of showers and then the next round of rain is going to push in and heavy at times and that'll be looking ahead towards our saturday the mountain passes two and up to four centimeters for most sea to sky and whistler included within that and a heads up for the northern half of the province putting in this into play the future cast by tomorrow evening on friday inland we do have 10 and up to 15 centimeters terrace and stew where it'll be included within that snowfall and heavy so friday night leading in towards saturday and that's for the northern half of the province that same system is going to push its way towards the south and it's rain across the south coast on saturday for the north tomorrow so rain and then snow developing towards the evening and heavy at times much of the central interior with a partly cloudy sky a few isolated flurries for the early morning hours for the tops in Okanagan, breaks for the afternoon, and we will see that transition. Higher elevations, rain mixed with snow for the early morning hours, and then a chance of showers for the day. Heavier rain is going to move in for both the weekend. It's looking pretty soggy so far, and on Sunday, getting up to 8. Tonight's weather window, a beautiful shot that was taken from Burke Mountain in Coquitlam from Michael. Absolutely beautiful. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A critically endangered black rhino calf was born at the Potter Park Zoo in Michigan on Christmas Eve. Dopsy gave birth to her adorable calf early Tuesday morning. This is the first time in the 100-year history of the zoo that a critically endangered black rhino calf was born. Mom and calf are in good health. They will continue to bond behind the scenes and won't be available for public viewing for some time yet. According to the World Wildlife Fund, there are fewer than 6,000 black rhinos alive today, victims of poaching mostly. But that number represents a remarkable recovery through conservation efforts for the animal whose numbers dwindled to about 2,500 between 1960 and 1995. Look at that little guy. That's just for you, Yvonne. Oh, so cute. The cuteness factor went up. Just for you. Just so cute. Notice how, he's, notice how he stopped drinking the mother's milk when the camera went on. He's like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. The squire has been giving me the gears about wearing a onesie. No, no, your onesie, your onesie is very classy, but the slippers that look like a mouse, you know. I'll post a picture you can all Different. It's different. <laughs> I mean, it was really classy. Now it's, it's still classy, but... Uh, the last World Junior Hockey Championships held here, and at it, home ice was not really an advantage for Canada. We lost in the quarterfinals. We finished sixth. Because of that, we are in a much tougher group this year to start this World Junior Hockey Championships. We're in with Russia, we're in with the Czech Republic, Germany, and the USA, and that's the team Canada started its tournament against today. Along with Nick Robertson. I know Canada-Russia is the old rivalry. I guess this is a new one, Canada-USA. Here we go. It's always good to have a Connor McSomething on your team. <laughs> this year it's Connor McMichael. He scores after the U.S. took a 2-0 lead. 2-1 in the second period. Then on a power play, Barrett Hayton, first-round pick of the uh, Coyotes, scores there. 2-2. 
Adam Foot's boy, Nolan, on the power play. Kelowna Rocket versus Dad's old 29. That made it 3-2. Nico Dawes is playing goal for Canada in this one. That's a nice save. Keeps it 3-2. Back to Barrett Hayton. The pass from Alexis Lafreniere, who could be the first pick overall in the next draft. That makes it 4-2. U.S. would rally just as Canada did from a two-goal deficit. Shane Pinto tying it. But seven seconds after they tied it, Lafreniere scores the winner. So that made it 5-4. They'd add an empty netter. 6-4 would be the final for the Canadians in their opening game. The top two picks for the Canucks in last June's draft are both at the World Juniors and both scored today. First rounder Vasily Podkolzin of Russia and second rounder Nils Hoglander of Sweden. He's not very big, five foot eight, but the Canucks were very happy to get him last year because he has impressive skills and as you'll see right here, impressive imagination. Check this goal out by Hoglander against Finland. It's the lacrosse goal. That Andrei Shvechnikov has scored a couple of times in the NHL this year, but Hoglander does it as well. And apparently he actually did this in Sweden earlier this season. But this is nice. Yeah, that would look good in a Canucks uniform. Uh, Sweden wins this game by the score of 3-2. to two. And in the Russian game against the Czech Republic, there's former Canuck Igor Larionov. And now a goal by future Canuck Vasily Podkolzin. The first-round pick of the Canucks this past June. Good hand-eye, 2-2, but Russia would not win this game. The Czechs pulled the upset as a Jan Yenik scores this one on the power play. 4-3, it's a two-man advantage. Canada will take on the Russians on Saturday. And the Spengler Cup began today for Canada. Christopher Stieg and Team Canada taking on Trinich of the Czech Republic. For Stieg actually scored the first goal we're going to show you on the one-timer. These uniforms, they look like stock cars. <laughs> Second period, long two-on-one here for Canada. Kevin Clark and Ian Mitchell, and Mitchell finishes it off to make it 3-0. Zach Fucali, this is a great save. Oh, the dive. Very impressive. 4-1 final. Canada wins its opener at the Spengler Cup. Well, sports loves a great comeback. And one of the great comebacks in 2019 was from... Vernon slash Vancouver's Voshik Pospisil, who started the year rehabbing a bad back and then ended the year putting Canada on his back for a second-place finish at the Davis Cup of Tennis. Voshik Pospisil wasn't sure what to expect after major back surgery nearly a year ago. It took him nearly seven months to get back on the court, but when he did, it didn't take long to rediscover the form that had him ranked in the top 30 in the world back in 2014. Most importantly, the back pain was gone. He could play longer, more physical matches and recover faster than ever. It led to upset wins over players ranked in the top 20, a sign that Vashik Pospisil was back in the game. And I just kind of picked up steam and felt, uh, you know, Vashik 2.0 <laughs> by the end of the year. So 
I felt uh, even better. I felt like I was playing. Honestly, I felt like I was playing some of the best tennis of, of my career. Many would say Pospisil has played his best tennis when playing for Canada at the Davis Cup, but he took it to another level in November at the Davis Cup Finals in Spain. Not only did he knock off more top-ranked players like Italy's Fabio Fanini in singles, but he also played doubles matches on the same days, testing that back even further and leading Canada to its first-ever Davis Cup Finals versus Spain. Even though they lost the finals, it's an experience Pospisil will treasure forever. This remarkable ride continues. The energy was... Uh was incredible. I mean, we were just, you know, having a great time. And then we went on the court. They were all, you could really feel, you know, they were really pulling, pulling for you and they're really behind you. And, and then, you know, when I finished my match, I tried to recover as quickly as possible and get out there and cheer Dennis. And it was, it really felt like this, you know, Canadian tennis family, which was, which was very cool. At 29, Pospisil is just entering his prime years, and with his newfound health and success on the court, he's excited what 2020 could bring. There's no doubt he's capable of climbing back into the top 30 in the world, and that would make everyone in BC proud, whether it's from his birthplace Vernon or Vancouver, where he moved when he was 12. So who gets to claim Vashik? I'm, I'm happy with both. I'm happy. I'm, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be, you know, hey, like... I'm Vancouver and Vernon together, one big family. Perfect. You know, the more the merrier. So until somebody's like, well, which one is it? I'll, I'm like, I'm both. <laughs> the top two teams in the Premier League, Liverpool and Leicester City, met today. But um, there's a big difference between Liverpool and Leicester City. Roberto Firmino with a goal there. Yeah, it was pretty much all Liverpool. The winner against Monterey, the winner against Flamengo. One more from him. And 4-0 was the final. So the difference now between first and second place is 13 points. It would be incredible if Liverpool lost this lead. 4-0 over Leicester City. There you go. Alrighty. Thank you so much, sir. You're welcome. Here's a look at your snow report. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 90 centimeters. 103 for Grouse, Cypress 140, and Sasquatch 149. Manning Park, a base of 135 centimeters. Revelstoke 172. Fernie 135 and 140 for Kicking Horse. Big White, a base of 139. Silver Star 147. Sun Peaks 112 and Apex 107. Mount Washington with a base of 63. Whitewater 183. Red Mountain 92. And Powder King 198. Okay, if you walk or you drive around Metro Vancouver, you see some beautiful light displays. Some residents put in a lot of time and effort into them. Well, a family in Port Coquitlam has been doing that for about 10 years, and their display just keeps growing.
got lots of questions, and you've got a couple of answers. I've, uh, well, I've got, yeah. I, I did some research on okay, this. Okay, good. About 200,000 lights, though, they've given up counting. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes five guys up to two months, mostly weekends, to put all of that up. Um, they collect donations for the Share Food Bank, so if you go, please give to them. Um, Hydro. Hydro. You wonder how much um, power that takes? Well, apparently it's the equivalent of roasting a turkey every night. And Squire's got a challenge for Hydro. I uh, See, I think if anybody has a big light display like that and is collecting money for charity, then Hydro should give the money that they're paying Hydro to the same charity. Not a bad idea. Let's hope Hydro does. <laughs> Putting it out there. Thanks for joining us. Um, watch the weather forecasts. She'll keep you up to date on whether it's... See if you have some snow in your area. Please tweet us and let us know.